Welcome to Ten, the Tenant Experience Network. I'm your host, David Abrams. In this episode, we are connecting with Jennifer Durkovic, CEO of Durkovic Investment Properties. In this episode, we learn about Jennifer's career journey, starting out at The Real Deal magazine and building her network from there. She eventually connected with Bob Knackle, who asked her, do you want to read about the rich and powerful or do you want to live it? She later joined his team as an associate broker and stayed with the firm even after it was acquired by Cushman and Wakefield. Jennifer knew she had the entrepreneurial bug and would eventually start her own firm, inspired to go out on her own and never look back. Jennifer shared a wonderful story about her family and their early experience with real estate. She has a wealth of knowledge in the CRE industry in New York City and has always tapped into the pulse of the industry. She offered insights into what people really want from buildings and how building operators are responding, emphasizing the need for innovation to support new talent and retain current employees. In our closing speed round, Jennifer shared a touching and powerful story about the tremendous impact the pandemic has had on her family. We're excited to share this podcast with you, so be sure to subscribe to 10 so you never miss an episode of the Tenant Experience Network. And now I'd like to welcome Jennifer to the show. I'm really glad you could be with us today. How are you? I'm great. Yourself? I'm fantastic. And I'm looking forward to our conversation. So let's start with your journey. Tell us about your journey to your current position role. How did you get started in the business? So out of college, I worked at the Real Deal magazine, which is kind of the Bible of uh, commercial and uh, residential real estate here in New York City. And um, I worked closely with the publisher, Amir Karangi, and I handled some of their um, notable events, uh, like uh, the city within the city. Uh, We did a huge event uh, just covering the High Line. We had Michael Shyamalan, who was uh, the friend of the High Line, um, you know, uh, leader there. And um, Carrie Tamarkin, um, who is one of the biggest architects. So I handled some events in that uh, regard. And I really gained a huge network um, through the magazine. um, And it was a great experience. We also branched out to South Miami, uh, South Florida, excuse me. And um, I gained a Miami network as well. Um, And one of my clients is actually Bob Knackle. He bought a huge marketing campaign for me. And he said a line, uh, do you want to read about the rich and powerful or do you want to live it? I was like, (laughs) that is a great line. I am working for you. Um, <laughs> I love and it. at the team, it was around, uh, it was like the end of 2012. Uh, they were, the Knackle team was the largest team in New York in terms of investment sales. It was a 14 person team. I was an associate broker and um, I worked on notable uh, transactions like 21 Penn Plaza, which was an office deal uh, that we did. Um, we actually represented the file organization and we sold that asset for 244 million to a financial giant TI Cup. Wow. So it was a great experience. Um, they got acquired by Cushman and Wakefield. Uh, right. Bob and Paul sold their company for a hundred million um, around the end of uh, 2014. Uh, which was the height of the market. And um, I was there for several years after that. Um, And then I kind of wanted to go off on my own and be my own commercial broker. So I worked at Eastern Consolidated uh, for almost three years. 
uh, Don Paris and uh, Peter Hausberg uh, were power couple at that time. Right. Um, and I worked on a notable sale uh, as uh, I did um, 29th Street, which was an XL deal, uh, 30 East 29th Street on the south side between Park and Madison. Um, that was a $100 million sale uh, that we sold to Rockefeller Group, which uh, they never built uh, condos before. And that was their first right. um, project. And they hit it out of the park. I mean, those condos are, you know, selling like hotcakes. Um, I actually toured um, the property recently. And it's so nice to see, you know, when you work on a land right. deal right. and then you right. walk past that block years later and a yeah. completely different transformation of that block. So it's rewarding in that regard. Mm -hmm. And then after that, uh, they went under and kind of felt the heat around the corner and I got in, got out right before um, they actually um, ended up going out of business. And I did a short stint at Ariel Property Advisors. Right. And um I was there for about a year and it really inspired me to start my own business. I felt like I kind of knew the ways around um, the commercial market and I wanted to brand myself, start my own company and do it my way. Like Frank Sinatra says, he's actually right, right behind. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. You clearly had the entrepreneurial bug and it had been obviously um, growing over those years and, and, and you made it happen. So that's, that's incredible. Um, and, 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 and we have in common, I had the opportunity to have Bob Knackle on our program not long ago and, uh, what, a, what a great, uh, person and, and just an industry, um, expert. And we, I learned so much from that episode. So I'm sure you did as well. And, and, and here you are today in competition with them. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, <laughs> not quite, <laughs> let, let him think so. I think Bob sold 88 buildings last year, <laughs> not actually not last year, maybe uh, two years ago, right before COVID. So, right. Um, he's a legend and it yes. was, it was a complete honor to be on his team. I learned a lot. Amazing. So why do you think you were so uniquely suited to this opportunity? What helped you to be so successful, uh, skills, mentors, likely colleagues, books, what do you attribute your success to? Um, could I go back in time a little bit, uh, with my family? Um, so my dad and his brothers, they immigrated from Croatia. Mm -hmm. Um, they moved to the Bronx. It was around 1969. And, um, you know, that's when, uh, the twin towers were being built Trump's on the scene. It was a very, you know, the city was in distress. So, um, my dad was an elevator operator. His brothers were supers and, um, there was a Bronx landlord that saw something in them. Uh, they worked hard and they knew the buildings inside and out. And he said, why don't you buy some buildings with me, you know, in undesirable areas like right. northern Manhattan at that time, um, you know, the Bronx, uh, dicey areas. And you could buy a building for like $90,000 then, right. you know, um, so they pulled their money in and limited resources and they bought buildings together with this Bronx uh, landlord, kind of gave them a shot. And um, I was always taught um, that you know, seizing an opportunity. It's not your income. It's what you do with it. And I think that um, real estate has a very romantic side to it in terms of, you know, the American dream and immigrants coming here and 
you know, sometimes when you're, you know, you could be a professor in other countries like Croatia or an engineer. And then when you come here, it means absolutely nothing. You have to kind of start from scratch. Mm -hmm. You're kind of like, I'm an engineer, but I'm cleaning. (laughs) Like it doesn't make any sense. So I feel like real estate kind of gives them that opportunity to get back on top and in the race. Amazing. That's a great story and a very personal story. Thank you for sharing that. And another thing is um, I speak Serbo-Croatian and a lot of the supers are, you know, of that descent or they're from Montenegro. So I get into buildings pretty quickly because I (laughs) speak the language. You're a little bit of an edge, a leg up. Amazing. You're your secret weapon, right? (laughs) Exactly. Love it. Um, Jennifer, there's a lot of commentary around the return to workplace and some extreme opinions being expressed, often confrontational, sometimes polarizing. You know, we believe right now is the time to live and work in the world as it is right now. Um, and we believe that the industry and the employers, the occupants, really can't continue projecting to a date in the future when we will return to normal, i.e. pre-COVID. But we really okay. need to live in a world that we call now the new normal. And it's not a post-COVID world. It's a, a world with COVID. Um, and I'm just wondering, from your perspective and your lens through the investment world, you know, what do you think that means for the commercial real estate industry? Um, you know, how could building still continue to be important to businesses and people? Sure. Um, I think it was a very tough period um, right when the pandemic happened, COVID-19. Um, buildings were, uh, commercial buildings especially, were being emptied out all over the U.S. And it was it was a huge shock. I mean, um landlords are, you know, they still have to pay their mortgages. Um, And, you know, some of these tenants were just leaving in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of the employees, they don't want to be in the office, especially at that time. Um, So in terms of just the dollar volume, um, Manhattan alone has 463.8% of square feet inventory in the city. Right. So uh, that dropped uh, the dollar. I think the full market office value dropped at 20.6 billion citywide in 2020. That's, that's I mean, so if that's not an impact to commercial right. real estate, right. I don't know what is. I mean, right. We also pay the bills um, in terms of the landlords, I mean, um, for the city, um, because most of the tax revenue comes from commercial buildings. Um, So um, and also other, um, you know, transfer taxes. And but um, the bulk of it is through the commercial industry. Um, So it's going to something has to give. Mm -hmm. And it's very concerning. Um, for the owners. Now, these owners really don't want to let go of these buildings. Right. I was a good broker and I tried on some some of these big office buildings that had, you know, 60% vacancy, some of the older buildings. Um, and they don't want to let them go. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the buyers are approaching these owners with a steep discount. Right. And they're kind of you know, the market is very uncertain right now and they don't want to just give these buildings away at a steep discount. But also it's um, some of these buyers are, they might be thinking that they're getting a bargain or they might be, you know, kind of 
catching a falling knife, as they say, um, because of the uncertainty. Right. Um, so from, your, from what you're seeing, then they're not that the inventory of buildings for sale has increased um, and the buyers are looking for those steep deals. And so there's there's not really a match being made here, I'm assuming. No, it isn't at all. But just because of the uncertainty right now. Right. Um, and everyone's kind of just waiting to see what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of these 90 percent of buildings in New York City are over 20 years old. You know, right. there's a joke in commercial real estate that if you have an office building that's from the 80s, it's considered a new building. Right. <laughs> Especially the buildings in financial district. They're old. And, and so are you seeing any reinvestment? Are you seeing any of those owners who are, you know, they're 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 determined to stick through this? Are, are they investing? Are they, you know, what are they what are they, how are they looking at their properties in terms of responding to the way that the the market has changed? A lot of um, owners are um, trying to do a facelift, as they say, do right. some upgrades on some coming areas, um, the lobbies and trying to do a facelift, uh, but it's not working. Um, a lot of these tenants are demanding, you know, open spaces, natural light and air, um, you know, collaborative spaces, also um, concierge companies that would offer um, programs, um, some type of community that these tenants um, could be involved in. Um, if you're going to take these tenants out of their home, um, you've got to work hard to make it worth yes. it. Yeah. And they are in the driver's seat. Let me tell you. Right. Because they are running the show right now. Right. The power. Has shifted. Yes. Employers. Employers are trying to get, they're trying to recruit new talent, keep the same talent, because it's very easy to get a, a different job, better benefits, paid more. And, you know, a lot of these employers are tiptoeing around, you know, we can't say it's not flexible because right. they'll go somewhere else. Right. So, right. you know, that's putting a big strain on the employers and also the building owners, because what are the users want? And right. you got to look to the users. And then these companies are racking their brain, brainstorming. How can we get them back to the office? Right. Because that's what they want. You know, there's a whole phenomenon with um, quiet quitters where employees mm -hmm. aren't, you know, uh, they're doing the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what anyone says when you're in the office and you're around, uh, you know, your colleagues and the best ideas come from collaboration. Yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And actually, this is a great segue to our next question, uh, which really talks about the people. And you talked about listening to the people, recognizing what the people want. You know, we think the pandemic certainly has accelerated what was already happening in terms of a recalibration of the market to recognize that buildings are really places for people. You know, the old build it and they will come really doesn't fly. And, and people are the real asset, not the building. And we certainly learned that as buildings emptied out in March of 2020, uh, not much of an asset when nobody's in them. So mm -hmm. as a result, we believe that tenant experience, workplace experience is fast becoming the new differentiator and is really now driving real estate decisions, um, perhaps even more so than those historical determinants as its location and class. You know, people are looking at their building and not just the physicality, but wanting to know what else do we get? And so you touched on a few items, but I'm just curious what you think building operators will be looking to in the future in terms of 
how they deliver great customer experience, great tenant experience. You know, how will they define that now and what might be coming down the road in the future? I think um, innovation is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they, listen, uh, buildings are important because it creates kind of an identity um, and um, in terms of who comes in. So if you see all these upgrades, um, the new talent comes in and they look around and they see, do I belong here? Um, does, you know, what's this company's personality? Um, are these employees comfortable here? Um, and it's a whole, it's a culture in terms of how the building, how the um, office spaces are laid out. Right. Um, and for current um, to retain new talent and also um, to keep the uh, current employees, they, I think it just really comes down to the upgrades, I have to say. Right. Right. It was just the layout in general. Right. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you a good example. Um, Tishman, um, Tishman Spire, great developer. Um, they developed a building called the Spiral in Hudson right. Yards. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bjor Engels, who's a Danish architect, um, he designed the project and they hit it out of the park. Right. I mean, rooftop has a happy hour right. um, restaurant that has sweeping views of the city. Um, every floor is connected to an outdoor space. Um, they have collaborative rooms. They have rooms that have quiet nooks. So if you don't want to be uh, collaborating and you kind of want to just uh, meet deadlines, you have that option too. Right. Uh, employees want to feel like they have the option to reach their whole potential in terms of you know, the quiet nooks, the collaborative, and um, also uh, just having natural light and air is huge. Um, especially, you know, we went through that whole pandemic. They want uh, ventilated properties. And, you know, um, I, think you, I think you spoke about flexibility in terms of where people work, but I think they want that same flexibility in terms of the different spaces within the building when they work. You know, exactly. when they do come to the building, you're right. At one point, they might want to be out on a patio. At one point, they might want that quiet room. At one point, they might want that collaborative space or co-working space. And I think it, it's, it, proposes, it poses many challenges. Um, and many opportunities. And I think the more innovative and the more creative uh, building operators can be, and then help and then helping to create a way in which their occupants, their customers can now interact with all these new spaces, I think is going to be key. Yeah, and also drives um, productivity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Jennifer, let's take a short break and we'll be right back. Sure. This episode of 10 is proudly brought to you by Hilo. Hilo is a rapid deployment workplace engagement platform for the hybrid world that enables building operators to connect to their tenants, whether they're at work, at home, or anywhere in between. We are in the midst of a seismic shift in the evolution of the workplace. Now more than ever, it's clear that the most important asset of a building is the people. Commercial real estate leaders recognize that tenants and employees want new kinds of spaces, services, and amenities to support having the flexibility to work from anywhere. Workplace engagement solutions that connect hybrid working people to buildings no matter where they are have become a major differentiator as buildings compete to retain current tenants and attract new ones. Hilo empowers building operators to meet this challenge. 
To learn more about Hilo and schedule a demo, visit hiloapp.com. We are back with Jennifer Durkovic, CEO of Durkovic Investment Properties. Again, I'm really glad you could be with us today. Living through a pandemic has been so challenging for so many people, but it's also provided an opportunity from our perspective to be better, do better, and build something better. We can no longer use COVID as an excuse. So I'm wondering if you can share any details about your business or some part of your business that is now being reimagined to reflect the reality of where we are today. Um, so I think, um, well, Zoom was a huge, um, I never used Zoom before the pandemic. I'm, I love going into landlords' offices. Um, but I think in terms of hitting volume, it was great. I right. mean, and also connecting with people overseas. And um, so that gave me um, a huge advantage there in terms of hitting volume and connecting uh, with those clients. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, our closing speed round is an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better on a personal level. So I'm curious if you can share one way in which the pandemic has changed your outlook on life. So uh, my father actually passed away from COVID. Um, um, so yeah, early yeah. on. Thank you so much. Yes. And um, that was, you know, it destroyed my family um, right. at first. Um, and we didn't know what was happening. And, you know, we couldn't even go into the hospitals. Um, and my dad was very healthy, you know, 73 years old, very active. Um, and I mean, he would walk faster than me. I wouldn't even be able to right. keep up with him on the street. Um, so, you know, for three weeks, I mean, I was listening to Frank Sinatra, drinking scotch for breakfast. And I was like, what, <laughs> oh, dad? Dad wouldn't want this for me. Right. And I feel that um, he gave up so much to, you know, move to this country, sponsor a lot of people to America to live that American dream that he did, um, that he accomplished. Right. Um, so um, I just, I have such a need to justify that sacrifice. My brothers and sisters uh, do too. So um, we're just trying to make him proud and, you know, we are his legacy, you know? Yeah. Oh, so, thank you. That, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. That's, course, that, yeah. that's amazing. And, and I'm so, it's so, so, so sad. And, and as I mentioned earlier about the impact of COVID on so many, and you, you've experienced that firsthand. So um, I mean, I, yeah, I have, um, you know, some family friends and, you know, my brother-in-law lost his friend that was only 38 years old, right. uh, healthy as well. Um, so it was, it was definitely a very difficult emotional time, right. uh, but I, I'm happy that the, when the vaccine came out, it was just such a breath of fresh air, right. um, no pun intended. And yeah. um, I, I just really urge everyone to get vaccinated. Um, so we're really fully back. Right. So. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, what travel destination do you miss most? Uh, probably Croatia. I haven't yeah. been <laughs> right. since actually college. Um, yeah. So that that's definitely, I haven't been to Europe since. Okay. Um, I've been to Miami. Um, I haven't traveled much. I've been to Miami uh, for work. Um, I was selling some land down there. I was working on a huge assemblage. Um, so yeah, soon. That's definitely um, on my list. All right. And anything new on your bucket list that you'd like to experience? Dubai. Dubai. Okay. Yeah. So another travel destination. 
Yes, I heard that um, there's so many cranes. I mean, construction is at an all-time high there. And actually, Dubai was a very safe place to go during um, COVID. Right. It was very safe. It was very clean. Uh, They followed all the protocols. Um, So, you know, they're a very efficient country. And I would love to learn more about their culture and also the real estate. Right. Excellent. Um, what is your favorite technology that is new to your life? You may have already given us that answer earlier, but uh, your favorite technology? Probably, um, actually, uh, drone. Okay. Yeah, I've been, I've been um, some of the land deals that I've been doing that's not in New York. Right. Um, I hired drone companies to kind of uh, do an aerial and also mm-hmm. highlight some of the landmarks in the area and I kind of make it since licensing, I can use James Bond (laughs) (laughs) background music. I wish, but, um, you know, I put some music and I, you know, target acquired. I try to make it like very James Bond mini movies to excite, um, investors to invest, um, outside of, you know, just in other States. Very cool. And what is your personal choice for days spent in person with your colleagues versus working from anywhere? In person. In person? Yes. I think that that's when you really um, have a connection uh, with your clients and also, um, again, to collaborate. And I think that's when you reach your full potential when you aren't just, you know, in an office by yourself. I think it's very important to interact with, because that's when the best ideas are born, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jennifer, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on the program. It's been a great conversation. Uh, New York is my favorite North American city. So all the speak about New York, I just love. I'll be in New York uh, in the middle of October for the pre-tech conference. Perhaps we can connect then. Um, And I just look forward to uh, uh, this being the first of many conversations to come. So thanks for joining us. Of course. I'm so excited to keep the conversation going. And is there, if, if I could say one thing, Yes, of course. Um, Eric Adams, I think, is doing such an excellent job. Um, All my clients love him. He's big in the real estate industry. And I know that he's uh, very close with the new governor, Huckle. And um, I think they're going to really bring unity to the city. And what's better than that? A governor and a mayor getting along. And especially with fighting crime, uh, they're putting a $5 million dollar a surveillance program in um, underground um, in the subway. Um, and I, I think they've really been on top of it, you know, slowly but surely. I think that, you know, we're, we're number one for a reason. Amazing. Most resilient city in the world. So I'm excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Well, thanks for sharing that. And again, thanks for coming on the program and we'll see you soon. Take care now. Bye. Have a great day. You too. Bye now. I want to thank Jennifer Durkovic for joining me on this episode of 10 and for continuing the global conversation around buildings being part of a robust ecosystem, helping to build great companies and that they are vital in the effort to cultivate and support great people and teams. The future of the workplace will likely take many forms and we will continue to explore what that looks like together. Subscribe to 10 for more conversations with leading CRE industry professionals and experts who all have something to say about tenant experience and the future of the workplace. We love hearing from you. So if you enjoyed this episode of 10, 
please share your rating and review us through your preferred podcast provider. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on a future episode, just reach out to me directly at david at hiloapp.com. And until our next episode, I wish you all continued success in building community where you work and live. Thank you.